Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Joey Calvez. I want to tell you guys a little bit about the Department of Metahuman Affairs. This one is a story about a team led by a retired sidekick, two felons, a failed actor from Broadway, and a reprogrammed cyborg. But their first mission is to stop the criminals who have robbed a bank, and they will have to set the world at ease. You're going to get 180 pages of entertainment action-packed awesomeness right here in the first six issues in a collected hardcover volume one all you got to do is head on over to kickstarter.com and type in the department of metahuman affairs or dma and check it out right now age of radio What's going on, everybody? We are back. This is episode 221 of the Dark Windows podcast. My name is Kevin. And I'm Kevin. And I had to stop and think. About what your name was? No. If this was 221. I only know that because I, I wrote it on the the editing book earlier. Oh. Yeah. Okay. And the other thing I have to keep in mind is like, the the way I keep it straight in my head, I do even numbers, you do odd numbers. That After I've thought about it for a while, I was like, oh, yeah. Makes sense. Do we? Yeah. Because it did 220. You're doing 221. I'll do 222. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I never thought of that like that. I, but... it's, it's just a pattern that I've noticed that's developed, you know. I um, guess so. So, before we get started, we've decided behind the scenes without any of your input, because, you know, we didn't think to ask anybody, but uh, we're not going to do the cube this month. We're just going to fucking let it ride and, you know, see what we want to do. Um, Kevin is doing one from the cube because this was his pre-rolled yes. one before we were like, Hey, we shouldn't do that this month. Yeah. You know? uh, I, I decided I was going to stick to the gun of doing what I rolled, which was paranormal. Right. I mean, it, it wasn't enforced. It was just like, no, I'll do no, it. You know, well, I figured I would just do it. I mean, I don't think you knew I was going to do it, but I said I was going to do it to you, you know, a little bit ago. Mm-hmm. I was like, I think I actually told you last night, matter of fact, that I was going to do it. And uh, um, and I was like, yeah, I'm going to do it. And I, but I'm also, but it's going to be, you know, of this flavor. Right. Um, And that flavor happens to be of instant, um, instant, I can't talk. That's not normal. Is that un- no, not I was normal? Say, um, been there. <laughs> yeah, done that. Instance, if yeah, whatever. Instances. Yes, that word. I can't. I, I can't get that word out. Well, just continue the sentence after I say it. Um, instances that happen during war. There we go. Okay. Teamwork makes the dream work. It buddy. does. Um. So, first one, and I actually at, I have a couple little small ones. And then there's one bigger right. one. And the bigger one, um, for everybody, I got this off of Reddit. But I first read it. Yeah. Uh, I know. First read it on another site. And it said, hey, click here to read the whole thing. And kind of some of the stuff that you know, this guy goes into detail about. 
I'm like, okay. Unless this guy did really good research into it, um, I kind of think this is a legit story. Right. So, But I'll leave it to everybody else to, you know, to say, hey, uh, I think that was bullshit or whatever. Right. And, like, um, so. the other thing that we talked about beforehand is, like, off mic, well, previously, is that category of paranormal. That's a bitch. Because that yeah. could cover so many different things. So we may have to, like, re-kajigger this whole cube thing and add a secondary die into it and, you know, fucking roll for initiative and all that. Oh, we're going to have You know what to. I mean? Let's have, like, subcategories and shit. Yeah. You know? Uh I that's, mean, that's... if you get plus two or plus, you know, a minus two, I mean, you never know, depending on... Well, I, I was trying to do that with the badass thing, where I'd roll, you know, if I landed on a badass, I'd roll one and, like, oh, if I get an, uh, uh, um, an even number, I'll do a good guy, I do an odd number, I'll just do an asshole, mm. you know? But there's some there's some work to be done, I think. Uh-huh, okay. So that so. there's... We have to work on that one. Yeah, for sure. All I mean, right. some of the other ones, like history, whatever, cults, crime, that's all pretty mm-hmm. self-explanatory. It seems just, like we've done a lot of crime lately. Yeah. <laughs> but it's like, nobody wants to just keep hearing about fucking war heroes from World War II, you know, do they? No. Do they? Maybe. I mean. Possibly. I do. I mean, but, uh, I don't really care. You know. But sometimes I want to talk about just a guy that's a total fucking piece of shit. That's true. You know? And uh, there's a lot of those, unfortunately. Yeah. So, let's start this off. Let's do it. So, during World War II, a remote village in Switzerland uh, became the, the site of strange happenings when a British company of soldiers stayed uh, stayed there. Wood tarps and valuables began to disappear, which were dismissed until a child went missing. When more children, as well as a private from a British company, Disappeared. Rumors of a monster spread. It was the miss. The miss or the miss? The miss. The Swiss miss. She's been kidnapping children. And what people uh, don't realize is like, yeah, you see this sweet little girl okay. on the box. Bobby Yaga. Oh. Yep. Chicken footed house and everything. Isn't Swiss that, witch. Isn't that a little too far west? Nope. Witchcraft For... is universal, my friend. Okay. Okay. I- I'm not going to. Dissuade from Baba Yaga. Every once in a while, you just hear wood clacking together uh-huh. out in the woods, and you're like, what's uh-huh. going on here? And it's your fucking, the wooden shoes on your chicken foot at so house. So we just go Except get... That's Dutch, not Swiss, uh, Swiss but whatever. whatever. It doesn't matter. It smells like cheese and chocolate and fucking and then gun hear... ownership out here. And then we must hear... be in Switzerland. And then you hear, yole, hee-hoo, <laughs> recola, <laughs> fuck, run! And then you just hear, that dude with the big, long fucking saxophone that he plays on the side of the mountain. Yeah. Yeah. I do. I have, I have a bag of those in my work desk. They work mm, really well. They are good. They are. I mean, you know, there's only one way to kill the Baba Yaga. What? There's only one way to kill the Baba Yaga. You get an even Lozenges? worse. No. Oh. You get the even worse monster. You will get John Wick. <laughs> I'm pretty sure you could get a Witcher for that, though. It'd be more uh, historically accurate. No, from the. Keanu Reeves with a terrible haircut. Hey, whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm not saying the movies are bad. It's like, he needs to do something with his hair. No, from the movie, he's the, the guy's like, he's like, you know, you know who you just fucked with. He's like, no. You know. That's Neo. John Wick. He's like, who the fuck is he? Is he the boogeyman? No, 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 no. He's the man 
you send to kill the boogeyman. <laughs> he, that's not even the scariest character named John he's played. Like most badass character named John he's played. Because <clears throat> John Constantine, Constantine was a bad motherfucker, and they're doing another one. They are. Yes. Super excited. I wonder if uh, Shyla is going to be in it or not. I don't care. As long as Keanu Reeves is in it. I mean, probably not, because I think Shyla's actually taking a break after uh, his... Whatever. He's got a whole fucking thing going on, and he's basically he's, found himself... He's been famous for too long, and it got to his head after a while. Mm. Yes. I kind of saw... I saw an interview with him. Because he's been in the public since he was, like, a teenager. And it Younger just... It, yeah, it gets to you after a while, and it fucks your brain up. Look well, at Macaulay Culkin. Jesus. Michael Jackson, <sighs> Britney Spears, any any number of, of people that were famous when they were ki- when they were kids, and then just lost their rabbit ass minds like later in life. Well, yeah. it's not so much that uh, Shia lost his fucking brain; he just kind of lost his mind. No, I think he realized that that uh, after some incident that happened where it was the lady that he kind of had. He, he had a god god complex going on so he's where, an actor <laughs> where um he thought that he was better than everybody and he thought he was better than like a lot of actors yeah the like, celebrities yeah. they they all kind of tend to do that not all of them a lot of them i mean well keanu reeves is like the exception to that rule cuz he's well, just a fucking normal dude well what i'm saying is i watched an interview with him cuz he got interviewed with by john barenthal okay and they actually happen to be friends. And apparently John Barenthal is like, you know, one of those guys that's no bullshit, fucking tells you how it is type of guy. Well, he... Uh, he will fuck your wife in the zombie apocalypse, though. True. Don't, don't trust him. Very true. And then you'll have to shoot him. And then he'll come back. And then you have to shoot him again. Yeah. But so you better hope that he doesn't come back as Frank Castle the second time, because then he'll just <laughs> fucking wind belts around his arms, and you might want to just run. Because that's that a bad was, sign. That, yeah. I, will, I will say that probably was the best. Yeah. One, I'm gonna say that. I, you know, okay. So when it comes down to bad guys from other TV shows that I would have loved to see him face off with, Omar from The Wire, mm. because like they would have gotten into a gunfight and they both would have got shot and been like, they would have t- fucking been chirping at each other from behind cars and then realized we can just go kill these assholes together. Mm-hmm. That would have been really good because Omar was a motherfucker. You'd really need to watch that show. I think he's supposed to reprise the role again yeah because marvel actually got the rights to the punisher so they can do stuff on disney with it yeah so but i think he's gonna do that again and because you're supposedly doing a movie too but which would be kind of good i mean i thought the show was because the show was on uh netflix was on netflix Uh because i know they're gonna do another daredevil the only one that they're not going to redo is the the they're not going to redo the Iron Fist. They're not redoing that one because it wasn't that good in the first place. That was pretty good. I liked how they crossed them all. Yeah, but yeah, you you thought it was good, but not enough people thought it was good to redo it. It's like um, Luke Cage, fucking Luke Cage was awesome. They're not bringing that back either. Ah, uh, I thought the opposite of Luke Cage. I oh, thought I, 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 I liked it. I didn't think Luke Cage was all that great, but none of that has anything to do but, with ghosts or war. Yeah, no, that's true. How the fuck did we get here? I uh, we monsters 
and then you because you call in Swiss Miss a, a Baba Yaga, yeah. Okay. So that's where we were. John Wick, uh, get you. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yep. okay. Yeah. Fair enough. <laughs> By the way, I'm not watching the next season of The Witcher either. Why? Because they're fucking uh, Henry C- uh, Cavill is not doing it anymore. Yes, he is. Uh, he's doing the third season, and that's it. Then there's which well, that's the next season. Yeah, but the fourth season, I'm, I they might as well just end the show after the third season. Yeah, we, yeah. We don't no. need fucking Thor's younger brother as as Geralt of Rivia, which it, is stupid. If anything, they should have gotten Mads Mikkelsen. He would have been fucking incredible for that role. I'm trying to think. Yeah, I think I think I know who that is. I think he was one of the bad guys in John Wick. I'd have to, you have, to you have to show it to me, but Hold on. Well, while you're doing that, I'm gonna continue. So, uh, when more children, as well as a private from a British company, disappeared, rumors of a monster spread. One night, soldiers saw a mysterious figure and chased after it, thinking it was being the Swiss Miss the, that preyed on the village. Yes, that guy. Yeah, they actually did a thing of him um, as. Geralt. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He would have been great. I was like, fucking right. He was. He, he would have been great. Yeah. So. Yeah. Anyway. So we're talking to... about a Nordic grasshopper monster. We are. Okay. Uh, it's not even Nordic, is it? It's closer to Bavarian. Because Switzerland's not near like they're neutral, so they're both. Yeah, but they're not near the Nordic countries. But it's neutral, so it's both. But it's not though, because they don't speak fucking listen any Scandinavian languages. I don't care. It's neutral. They're they mountain can, people. They so they're dwarves. That's where they come from. Okay, fine, but they can well, they can still speak it then. President Gimli. They gotta fucking you know they they, they gotta talk with the elves and the fairy you know the fairy. The Swiss can speak. Most Swiss people can speak more languages than other people in the world. Exactly they have five like See, languages that are used regularly. That's why I said they're neutral because they can they don't give a fuck about anybody else. You know, just pick, give them money. Yep. The country that fucked up by staying neutral in World War, World War II, that was their time to fucking strike when the iron was hot, was Ireland. True. We, you could have had a fucking, you could have had a United State of Ireland if you guys had just been like, the British are busy getting their shit kicked in by the Nazis. Maybe now is the time to start with the motorcycle bombs. Hmm. Yeah, but you didn't. So, they could have taken over England. They could have. I mean, they'd stay the fuck out of Scotland because probably they the Scottish. The English and Scotch have the fucking, you know, fucking common denominator of disliking the British. It's true. You know. So I think they would. Why why do you think Scotland keeps trying to get their independence? Because they're tired of people. You know, their politicians going to fucking Parliament and being told to kill themselves because they're not English, so their vote doesn't count. True. So anyway, let's get back to this. Your days are numbered. Let's get back to this before we you know, lose everybody. And they're like, they fucking ramble too much. Here's the thing. I'm going to edit this. <laughs> okay, good. So uh, though they uh, never caught the figure, the soldiers uh, discovered a cave. Shots were fired from inside of the cave and the soldiers returned fire. Upon further, uh, upon pressing further into the cave, soldiers found the body of a British private who had been shot through the heart. He was surrounded by the half-eaten bodies of the children that went missing. So, 
I'm not quite sure what was going on there. If that was like just a fucking wacko cannibal or a British werewolf in Switzerland, maybe, which is not nearly as good as American werewolf in London. Obviously. That's very true. It's better somehow than American Werewolf in Paris. That's because that was fucking terrible. I don't remember that enough. So oh my god! Yeah. Don't even bother. Mm. It's it's literally not worth the time to watch. Mm-hmm. It's bad. But so anyway, okay. This guy killed a bunch of kids. Yes, asshole. Glad so... they shot him in the head, <laughs> or wherever the fuck they shot him. Uh, so this next one, uh, it's about this guy named Robert Graves. He was born 1895 and died in 1985. Lived a long fucking time. 90 years. Yeah. Uh, was a poet and scholar and a captain in the British Army during the First World War. Corporal uh, Stare, a poem from his 1918 book, uh, Fairies and Fulleries. Fuseleries. Fuseliers. Fuseliers, I was going to say. Yes. That's the word. So a poem from his book, Fairies and uh, Fuseliers, is a ghost story in verse taking place in Bethune, France, uh, during the war. But God, this so was many people died in France during the war, World War One and World War Two. Yes, holy shit! Uh, but this was not pure invention. The poem is an account of what Graves claimed was the real, uh, otherworldly encounter he he had. One June evening, Graves and his men were enjoying a night off after a bit. Bitter and bloody uh, tour at uh, Kunchi near Bethune. Uh, a joyous affair. Seven courses. The most uh, gorgeous meal, as the poem says. Spirits were high and apparently nearby as well. Halfway through the meal, Graves looked up and saw private, uh, Col- uh, Col- uh, private Colner at the window. The private saluted and then walked away. There was no mistaking him, Graves recounted later. Graves leapt up and looked out of the window. He saw nothing except a... Uh, this is not my... This is nothing against anybody. This is just what he said. A fag end dropped on the silent road, which is a cigarette. So why did we have to apologize for that? Well, because some people might be offended that I said quit fag. Be, quit being a cigarette. <laughs> well, not here. They're not I, called cigarettes here. They're not. I know. You know fags aren't cigarettes. No, but still, if people are are offended by that, then I mean, you've been listening to this well, show for way too long. Yeah. To you know to realize that. Hey, you never know. Yeah. But yeah. No, he just he was. He, they saw him walking up the street, and he just fucking drop kicks a drag queen and runs away. <laughs> he does. You know, leaves his fucking makeup smeared across the snowbank. You know, take that bitch. Different kind of fag, obviously. <laughs> You know, you never call a person a fag. You just, you know, no. some stuff's faggy, though. It is. You know, like shoulder pads and jackets is faggy. Those are just dumb. Same thing. Yeah. 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 Okay, so a cigarette end was dropped on the roadside, or as they say, a fag, uh, as the poem says. Would that technically be a fag butt? No, they call it a fag end. Okay, fair enough. But if we're gonna, you know, mix, we call it a mix metaphors. Butt. It's a cigarette butt. It's a fag yeah. butt. No, it's a fag. Big end. juicy fag butt. No, it's just a fag <laughs> end. 
no hair on it or nothing. Uh, Great looking fag butt. Very, yes. The kind you can pick up and just re-smoke afterwards, you know. Still got a little bit left in there, you're fine. Don't worry about it. Uh, so, most most chilling of all was that, was that, fa- the most chilling of all was that fact that Graves knew uh, Colner had been killed in the battle that May, torn horribly by machine gun fire. As the poem describes, Graves had known Colner for service at the bar- from service at the barracks in Britain. The last time Graves had seen Colner alive was in Britain, when Colner shook his hand and said, "I'll meet you again in France, sir." So he did. Apparently, he did. It's pretty. Uh, yep. Pretty weird. This next one is. Uh, uh, Marines in Vietnam would often try to recruit locals to help guide them in their uh, area of operations. Uh, in some areas, however, the locals were fearful of going into the uh. <clears throat> densest, uh, darkest parts of the jungle. Mm-hmm. The reason they found was the local superstition that phantoms called Ma yep. occupied the trees there. There was other stuff there, too. Um, um <clears throat> Son of a bitch. I can't remember what they're I called. I don't think they're called son of bitches. No. Uh, yeah, keep going. I'll no, wait, anyway. Um, uh, Montagna- Montagnards warned the U.S. troops that reanimated corpses awaited them in, in the trees. The Marines, of course, shrugged the stories off as folklore. Starting in 1965, it came, became very real. Uh, American troops in the jungles of Vietnam began reporting ghostly figures moving supernaturally through the t- trees. Others reported uh, feigned creatures with black eyes yes. that would it. try to kidnap and consume unsuspecting tr- troops. In one encounter, the beasts were found to be bulletproof. It didn't matter what time of day it was. The corpses lived uh, both by day and night. Since the triple canopy jungle kept the sunlight from hitting them, the military's top brass decided to get rid of it. And that's actually the real reason why the military developed Agent Orange uh-huh. and Napalm. Yep. The Marines would then roll in with flamethrowers to finish the job. Because fuck your trees and everything else. Why would you want to have, you know trees so those fuckers would get in there the penangolin is what i was thinking of it's a flying vampire that can like detach its head and leave its body somewhere and fly off and it's just trailing fucking intestines through the 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 air okay yeah um another thing that would have come from this is a little thing that we did called operation wandering spirit where the uh remember what the fuck you'd call them like the basically psychological operations guys Mm-hmm. Would would take these like South Vietnamese people and they'd take them out in the woods and they would have them scream and like yell things that would sound threatening or ominous through the trees and they would record it. Then they would stash these fucking recordings along the Ho Chi Minh Trail with pressure plates or trip lines or something like that. And occasionally somebody would hit one of these things, the recording would kick off, and you start hearing ghosts in the woods. And then 
to make it even better, they were taking fucking NVA and VC um, guys that they'd captured that had uh, died under mysterious circumstances, let's call it, possibly uh-huh. during interrogations. Mm. Um, and they would fucking jab holes in their necks and they would leave them pinned up against trees along the trail to make it look like they were attacked by something supernatural and that NVA and VC freaked the fuck out and they would avoid that part of the trail for like weeks at a time. Huh. Yeah. 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 Okay. Act like I don't bring nothing to the table. You, I didn't say you didn't. I am the table. I didn't say you didn't, but I'm going to say you did. <laughs> So this last one that I got, it's it's a rather lengthy. It's par- five parts to it. So do okay. we want to do a uh, break now? Uh, yeah. Because we don't want to really stop once we get this shit rolling. Right? No, we probably want to. Well, we can stop after the first page because we can stop and then we can take a break and then okay. come back. Okay. Um, Your call, homie. Your call. Yeah. So you know what? Why don't we just pretend this conversation never happened? Yeah, we can take a break. No. Do it. Do it up. Okay. Okay. And again. Okay. So happened. so this so this is called I saw some strange stuff in a tunnel in Vietnam. Okay. Ooh. So I've kept my mouth shut for almost 50 years. Why the hell would I start talking now? Well, friends, terminal cancer will do that to you. Uh-huh. Shit you thought you'd take uh to the grave suddenly becomes shit you desperately want to tell someone. Anyone. I won't bore you with a long uh, lament about my time in Vietnam. It was shitty. It was shitty for everyone involved. It was particularly shitty for me as I was five foot three. (sighs) Tunnel rat. Um, And I have to say this. uh, This guy may have already passed away because this was six years ago. Okay. He wrote this. Um, If you don't know what... Uh, being particularly short during Vietnam War entailed, let me fill you in. You arrive in country, and a senior officer points at you and says, you'd be a good fit for the tunnel commandos. Want to <laughs> yeah. join? You, wa- no. you you get in line at the armory, and everybody else is getting their M16s. The armorer like, was like, where's the next guy? looks down and he goes, oh, oh, buddy, here's a 1911 and a fucking flashlight. That's all you're yeah. going to need. Now... Technically, it's a question as you serve in those platoons was voluntary. Those platoons was voluntary, but it sure as shit didn't feel like a question. It felt like an order. Voluntary. Yes. And so that was my burden for the war to be a quote tunnel rat. Uh Climbing down into deep, dank, dark, dangerous tunnels filled with people and animals who wanted to kill me. Usually we operated in the huge uh, Coochie Tunnel Complex near Saigon, but not on that day. Yes, <laughs> but not on that day. On that day, we were uh, ordered to investigate a tunnel complex way up north, west of uh, Da Nang. Oh shit! That is way up north. Yeah. yeah. Uh, two uh, two of us were sent into the, into the tunnel that day. Myself and Benoit. Now, usually black guys manage to avoid becoming tunnel rats on account of them being so tall. But Fair. But, yeah. But Benoit was burdened with the double misfortune of being short and black during the Vietnam War. Yeah. 
a curse I wouldn't wish on my worst enemy. Now, was he the army or Marines? Um, army. Okay, because I've heard stories. I've heard people from this time frame that were in the Marine Corps say, you know, the Marine Corps is uh, the most inclusive branch of the military because they treat everybody like they're black. Hmm. <laughs> it's like that's kind of fucked up. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so, so he's in there with private snowball. I, I was first into the literally. Ho- yeah. Yes. Yep. I was first into the hole and Benoit followed. We both had our model 39s, some C4, our wits and not much else. If you're wondering why we carried the small caliber model 39s, uh, go fire a Colt 45 in a narrow tunnel and oh, come back yeah. and see me. Fuck that. The glass guy who tried, uh, that got a ticket home. With uh, blood pouring out of his ears. Yeah. We crawled for what I felt like an age. The tunnel was a tight fit, which meant it was uh, probably freshly dug. It was also, it also stank something foul that usually meant either spoiled food or some poor VC bastard died down there and was left to rot. After about 40 minutes of crawling into silent, total silence, Oh, I okay. saw. Sorry, um, gun autism. After the, about forty minutes of crawling into total, total silence, I saw the tunnel ahead, open into a, a room. I tapped Benoit on the head with my foot. I heard him ready his pistol. I climbed down into the open chamber, pointing my pistol at the shadows. The room was dimly lit by a small oil lamp. It was also deserted. We took our moment to adjust. It was the longest single tunnel segment either of us had ever crawled through. It also had no traps, which was unusual. Yeah, that's nice. Pleasant surprise. Yes. Where uh, where was everyone who dug the damn thing, save for the lamp hanging from the roof and a canvas tarp on the opposite wall? The room was empty. I approached the tarp and used my pistol to move it aside. Behind the tarp was a stone staircase leading down. A stone staircase? Uh, this far underground? I whispered to uh, Benoit. VC didn't build this. This is old. Very old. Older than America old. Benoit whispered back with fear in his voice. We've come this far. We have to keep going, I, I replied. Sounds like some monk built shit. Maybe. We both walked slowly down the narrow staircase, our flashlights with red lenses, and a and I swear the illuminated staircase looked like we were descending into hell. Yeah, I can see that. The staircase was almost as deep as the tunnel was long. Finally, I saw the staircase blocked by another tarp. Light was coming from the other side. I moved aside the tarp with my pistol. My finger trembled on the trigger. My eyes lit up. My heart raced. I almost pulled the trigger, but I didn't. Something made me pause. The room had at least ten people in it. None of them armed. I pointed my pistol at the group and illuminated them with my flashlight. They didn't respond. They just stood there, rocking gently back and... Uh, sorry, forward and back. Huh. But no, wait, don't shoot. There's people in here, but there's something wrong with them. Huh. I stepped into the tiny room, which was lit only by uh, small candles. Benoit followed, 
We both shone our lights, flashlights, at the people. They paid no attention. They continued to rock gently back and forward and back. But the fucking Ho Chi Minh Witch Project. I don't know. I showed my light in one of their faces. I clicked my fingers. She didn't respond. Her clothes told me she was VC. They were all VC. Three women. Well disciplined VC. <laughs> all, all VC. Three women and seven men. All, all gently rocking forward and back. Not a care in the fucking world. Their eyes were a solid color. Which color? I can't really say, as I could only uh, illuminate them with my red flashlight. Benoit motioned his flashlight to the corner. Their rifles sat in a pile, badly rusted. Jesus Christ, Benoit, how long have these poor fuckers been down here? I don't think Jesus Christ frequents this establishment, uh, came Benoit's terrified response in his thick Cajun accent. Not, not Jesus's kind of place. No. Yeah. I showed my lights in on the front of the room. The VC were all facing a small altar. I walked toward it on the simple stone uh, pills. Plinth? Plinth? Yep. Yes. On the small sto- stone plinth stood a gold statue. Uh, illuminated by several candles. The statue was ornately crafted. It was of a beautiful naked woman. The nice. top half, and uh, the top half anyway, the bottom half was something like an octopus. Dozens of tiny gold tentacles had been meticulously crafted to women's tor- to a woman's torso instead of legs. The statue had some writing on its base, a writing I couldn't recognize. I reached out to pick the statue up and take a better look at it, but Benoit shouted, Stop! Don't touch it! I retracted my hand about an inch from the statue. We need to leave this place quickly, Benoit said as he put his hand on my shoulder. We are just going to leave them like this, I said as I shone my lights in their eyes. We'll plant the C4 charges and put them... On a 90-minute timer, he said. He was already moving the C4 from a pouch on his belt. Uh, They're unarmed, I implored, turning to Benoit. These people are dead, maybe worse than dead. I saw something like this once before at home in the bayou. I didn't argue any longer. We planted the C4 charges in a rush, set the timers for 90 minutes, and ran up the stone staircase as fast as we could. It felt like a lifetime till we reached the small room with the lamp. I climbed into the tunnel, and Benoit followed. Suddenly we could hear a woman's voice faintly calling from behind us. Ignore it. Keep moving. Uh, okay. Benoit shouted from behind me. I didn't need to be told I wasn't going back. As the it was the longest crawl of my life, I saw daylight and kept crawling, even though my hands were raw and bloodied. I emerged into the light of day and gasped for fresh air. Benoit followed. We warned the others about the C4 charges, but told them nothing else. Yeah, you don't tell people about no. that. Benoit and I sat in total silence away from the tunnel entrance, waiting, praying. 
The ground shook, a dull thud was heard, and a spray of dirt emerged from the tunnel. We both breathed a sigh of relief. It was only after an experience like this that you ask yourself the small questions. To this day, I still ask myself, who the fuck was keeping the candles lit in that damn room? So we're going to take a break right here. That sounds like some weird culty shit. Because my first thought when you said top half woman, top half, and I thought you were going to say snake, which would be, to me, a naga, which are pretty well known through like Thailand, Vietnam, that area. Yeah. It's a, a human snake hybrid thing, and it's, uh, I don't know, it's hard to explain, but that's where I thought automatically. But Well, we're just going to take a break yeah. here, and we're going to continue on with this. Is this guy got more stories, or is oh, it yeah. separate? Oh, okay. It's 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 a continuation. Aha! Neat. Okay. Okay, we're back. All right, this is part two. Okay. I told you already I wouldn't bore you with most of the details of my time in Vietnam. Also, won't ever refer to it as Nam. As I found after returning home, it's the rear uh, echelon assholes who spent the war pencil pushing, who most like to put the a husky voice uh, and say Nam. Yeah. In some deep and mournful way. Yeah, because, you know, they served and, you know, they served. Yeah. From over here. Yeah, not having to do it. <laughs> so the short story is, after the incident in the tunnels west of Da Nang, Benoit and I were a little messed up. So yep. we were useless for tunnel work. Both of us were transferred into two separate regular platoons in the mechanized infantry. About a month after that, I was on a search-and-destroy mission when a rookie stepped over a VC tripwire. The tripwire was connected to one of our own uh, captured claymores. Oh, because mm. the other one they, they used to make um, uh, like little like toe popper mines. Yeah, but they would make those out of discarded fucking like chow cans and stuff. So that's why towards like the middle and end of the war, the guys would sit down. You know, they'd stop to eat. They pack all their shit back into their backpacks because you don't need to leave them a canister to make a goddamn landmine out yeah. of. The Claymore blew uh, the rookie's legs off and lodged a bunch of metal and bone fragments in the side of my torso. Oh, gross. I survived, and for my trouble, I got a ticket home. Well, I say home, but I really got a ticket to a military hospital called Camp uh, Zama in Japan. They managed to pull most of the bits of shrapnel out of my torso over their two operations. The hospital was dangerously overcrowded. At night, the screaming of the other patients was horrendous. I bet. And the stench reminded me of the fucking tunnel. I was actually happy when, uh, due to overcrowding, I was tra- transferred to a much older building in the complex. It was some type of disused asylum ward. Oh, yeah, this is going to be a fucking hoot. Yeah. <laughs> a total wreck. It was it only ha- uh, maybe it only had maybe fifteen patients, mostly guys with minor injuries. But I didn't care. It was far enough away from the main buildings that I didn't have to hear the poor bastards screaming from their for their mothers every night. Yeah, that's got to get fucking yeah. disheartening very quickly. I was on the men, which was a blessing and a curse. Uh, my tour wasn't up. And if 
I was declared fit to serve, I might be sent back to Vietnam. Yeah, tour's not up and you're not hurt bad enough to actually go home. And I wasn't going back, not after what I saw in that tunnel. Two American military doctors and a female Japanese nurse arrived to assess my situation late one evening. Your injuries seem to be healing quite well, one of the stern-faced doctors uh, said one of the first... I'm sorry. Your injuries seem to be healing quite well, said one stern-faced doctor. Physically, at least, said one, said the second doctor, who wore narrow glasses. The first doctor gave him a look that uh, could cut glass. The doctor wearing the glasses was clearly the psychiatrist. He would have uh, to be my ticket home. If I could convince him that I had lost my mind... But I couldn't overplay my hand. The nurse stood behind them, diligently taking notes. How is your emotional state? Have you had any trouble, uh, troubling thoughts? I understand where uh, you were a tunnel commando. Probe, uh, probe the psychiatrist. Yes, I, I sometimes have nightmares about the things I saw in the tunnels. I sometimes think about harming myself. Yeah. I put a quiver into my voice to add the to the effect, but neither of them were buying it. I've never been a good liar. How how fucked up a situation was this that after the shit I saw, I needed to fake being mentally unstable to get a ticket home. I was despondent and I dropped the act. Much as I wanted to go home, I couldn't tell them what about what happened in the tunnels. I wanted to go home, but not to be thrown in a mental asylum. Yeah. What kinds of things did you see in the tunnels? The psychiatrist asked calmly. Doc, near Da Nang, I went into the deepest, darkest tunnel you can imagine. And if I told you what I saw in that tunnel, you wouldn't believe me anyway. So just write whatever you need to on your clipboards and leave me be. The stern-faced doctor was unimpressed with my tone, but as I was speaking, the Japanese nurse stopped taking notes. Her face went deathly pale, and she stared at me with a look of terror on her face. Well, we'll check on you again tomorrow. Try to get some rest, said the psychiatrist who had a curious look on his face. And with that, they all shuffled off. The nurse stared back at me as they went, her face still pale with fear. I went to sleep that night, knowing that soon they would send me back to Vietnam. (sighs) I awoke late that night to the whispering of a woman. I couldn't hear where it was coming from. I got out of bed and walked uneasily, rolling my drip along... With me. The drip is his yeah, just, IV bag. Yeah. Uh, the woman's voice was coming from the next corridor. It was... It must be that nurse, I thought. But the voice sounded all too familiar. I wasn't going... Walking... Uh, walking in the halls without a weapon. I searched the unmanned nurse's station. I found a scalpel in one of the drawers. I found a duffel bag with four shotgun shells. Yes. Thermite and a two-plate carrier. Nothing else. Hmm. Useless. 
Take the two plate carrier. Yeah, fuck the thermite. You don't need that. Yeah. Shotgun shells? Fuck them. Yeah, you know. no. Nah. We can find an RPK. True. I'll hang out with that for a little bit. There you go. Um, Let's see. Uh, I shuffled through this large wooden doors leading to the next corridor. The light bulbs flickered in the dimly lit corridor. The paint was peeling off the walls. Far to the end of the corridor, I could see the shape of a woman standing near a window, looking out into the night. I shuffled toward her with the scalpel leading the way, rolling my drip with my left hand. As I approached, the faint whispers became louder, and I could finally make out the words. Diffler, come to the house, it whispered. My drip caught in a cracked tile on the floor, making an awful clanking sound. The woman turned and moved quickly toward me. My heart raced in terror. I prepared the scalpel. You shouldn't be out of bed. It was the concerned nurse. A lit cigarette in her hand. She must have been smoking by the window. Her English was near perfect. I cut her fucking throat. <laughs> My father fought in World War Two, and you he told me, it. you know, trust the Japanese yes. or any other form of Chinese. You Just kill it. them all. <laughs> uh, she must have been the daughter of an American GI. Many oh. of them married Japanese women after the Second World War ended. Why to are assert you... our dominance in Asia. <laughs> um, why are you whispering at me? I asked, still pointing the scalpel. I wasn't whispering, she said, confused and frightened. You were whispering. You called me uh, Diffler. What does that mean? I demanded, my hand clutching the scalpel once again, her face on the same pale, terrified. I'm sorry, took the same pair. Same. I'm sorry. I'm starting again. Once again, her face took the same pale, terrified look. The cigarette dropped from her hand. You're not safe here in Japan or back in, Viet <clears throat> back in Vietnam. They'll be looking for you. Her voice trembled as she spoke. Who? Like Who'll be looking who? for me? I implored her. I don't know what, uh, what they call themselves. Every place has a different name for them. The silent plague is the translation of what we call them here in Japan. All I know for certain is that we'll, they'll be looking for you. Maybe you'll be safe if you go, get back to America. Her words uh, offered little comfort. You have to help me. You have to convince the doctors that I'm crazy, I said to her, almost begging. I will try. Give me the scalpel, she said calmly. I stuck in her fucking guts. No. Oh. I handed her the scalpel, and as quick as I had handed it to her, she slashed it across my arm. I roared in pain. She dropped the scalpel and grabbed my hand, putting pressure on the wound. This is the only way, she said. I instantly realized her plan. This is the way. Two orderlies came rushing into the old corridor from an adjoining corridor, alerted by my screams. Get me some bandages. He's trying to kill himself, she roared at the men. One of the orderlies ran for bandages. The other ran over to support me. I slunk down into the orderly's arms, at more from pageantry than blood loss. The wound wasn't that deep. I also I had suffered much worse before. 
He had fucking somebody else's bones in his body. Yes. So, yeah, I'd say so. She had done a good job. I was put back in the bed and stitched up. The next morning, I was visited by the psychiatrist. He was alone. He looked at me coldly, noted something on his chart, and asked, Have you been hearing voices or whispers? No, I replied quickly. It's funny. We had a young soldier from Louisiana here about three weeks before you arrived. He was also a tunnel commando. He claimed he was hearing whispers, Hmm. but he could never tell me what they said. We had to send the poor fellow home. The psychiatrist maintained his usual cold clinical composure, but his eyes seemed to burn with a fanatic rage. If you did hear whispers and they told you something, a secret maybe, you would tell me, wouldn't you? No. You're one of them, you son of a bitch. I'm not hearing any voices or whispers, I responded with as much resolve as I could muster. You fucking lizard. (laughs) The rage slowly faded from from his eyes. You are being transferred to a hospital in the U.S. You will be assigned a psychiatrist there, he said before pausing. I hope when you get home, you will find whatever it is in life you are searching for. And with that, he smiled and walked away. I knew I was lying to him. That very night, I was driven to the airport and pushed in a wheelchair into a C-130 by an MP. The flight was filled with men who were broken physically or mentally, and most probably a few guys like me, just desperate to go back to Vietnam. Not to go back to Vietnam, but unlike them, I was actually hearing voices, but I wasn't crazy. So that's a dick move on an MP's part, just shoving him inside of that fucking airplane. Yeah. Blink. The flight took off. I breathed a sigh of relief. I removed my dog tags, praying I would never see them again. I opened the zipper on my bag and put the dog tags inside. And, and there staring back at me was a small, cruelly made clay replica of the golden statue I had seen in the tunnels. The fuck? Yeah. I'd eat that fucker right out the plane. <laughs> yeah. See ya, bitch. I don't need the fucking bag, neither. Okay, this is part three. So, what happened when you got home, I hear you ask? Well, for a while there were... Oh, for a while, a very little. I was kept in the hospital for about three weeks. The new psychiatrist seemed swamped with work, and I saw... I wasn't really a danger to myself or others, so I was discharged. I tried finding Benoit as soon as I could, but he had gone, quote, off-grid, as they might say these days. But But in truth, disappearing back then was as simple as not listing your name uh, in the damn phone book. Mm -hmm. True. Despite living in the guy's pocket for eight months of my life, I knew very little about him. I knew he was from a couple of hours west of New Orleans and had a sister named Marie. Not exactly solid facts to track down a man by. No. no I'm, gonna, I'm in Louisiana looking for a woman named Marie. Yeah. Fucking congratulations. There's about a billion of them. Good luck. 
So I gave up trying. I decided to try and forget about everything. Vietnam, the tunnel, and the woman's voice. But the damn statue was always there as a constant reminder. I kept it wrapped in cloth, afraid to touch the Why? damn thing. Why would you fucking keep it? I don't know. Again, you throw it away. Smash it. Some shit. Get rid of it. Yeah. Well... You ask the question, I'll give an answer. Asshole. Eventually, I did what every other person in York did with something they they wanted to get rid of. I threw it in the East River. It would find... Sold it on eBay. <laughs> yes. It would find good company down there with all the discarded uh, mob weapons and photos of ex-girlfriends. And people. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I had a small amount of money coming from in from... My veteran disability payments. I topped this up by working odd jobs. When I could find the work, uh, that is. <clears throat> New York in 1969 was at, wasn't exactly a fun place to be. No, no. The one... city stank from uncollected garbage, and there seemed to be a strike or a riot every other day. The teachers, the sanitation workers, hell... It got so bad that the gays started rioting, and they were, and they always seemed a, a peaceful bunch to me. I wonder if that was the Stonewall riots. I don't know. I lived down near uh, Greenwich Village, so I was right in the middle of the mess. Crime was also a huge problem, and I rarely Holy left. Holy shit, it was. Sorry. Crime was also a huge problem, and I rarely, rarely left the apartment without a pit my pistol, and that's. How it went for about six months. I worked a little and tried to avoid getting shot or stabbed. This is fucking Mickey Featherstone, isn't it? Uh, no. God damn it. That would have been great. That fucking maniac just telling stories again. Yeah. That would have been the biggest troll move ever. I don't. He uh, wasn't that small. Shut up. It doesn't. Yeah. Yeah. yeah he was only like 5'9". Uh, well, this guy's 5'3". I know, but that, what I'm saying is that would have been a really good troll move on your part. to be like, and my name is Mickey Featherstone, you cocksucker. <laughs> uh, yes. So one night, out of the blue, the phone rang. I generally got only got calls from, quote, cold call companies. It was relatively new, a new thing back then, and every asshole outfit with a phone was trying to sell their crap. Yep. I picked up the phone. I don't want I want to buy any radiators, life insurance, or mortgage protection. So Who the go fuck selling radiators over the phone? I don't know. He says I don't want to sell any uh, want to buy any radiators, life insurance, or mortgage protection. So go fuck yourself. I calmly said. The most New York thing ever. There was a tiny pause. It's Philippe, Philippe Benoit. I see you haven't lost your way with with words. Came the response. <laughs> Benoit? Jesus, I tried to tra tracking you down when I got back from Vietnam. I couldn't find a trace of you. Where the hell have you been? New Orleans. Look, I don't want to say too much over the phone, but I received a very strange package in the mail. Turns out someone was able to track me down. My heart sank with the news. I didn't need a to ask what was in the package I could guess. Can you come down to New Orleans? I could offer you a, a uh, I could offer you work and a place to crash if you need it. Do you have anything pressing keeping you in New York? 
I looked out the window as I listened to Benoit on the phone. Two NYPD officers were beating the ever-loving shit out of one out of some guy with batons. A small group of nearby nearby were raining bottles at them. Yeah, I could do with getting out of New York, <laughs> New York for yeah, a while. Cause, yeah, because New York is a fucking war zone. I could be there in a few days, I replied. Benoit filled me in on the details of where the, to meet. We didn't want to talk on the phone as if... He didn't want to talk on the phone as if he thought someone might be listening. The next morning, I threw what little possessions I had into my old beaten-up Impala and hit the road. I didn't bother giving notice to the landlord of my flea bag apartment. You might think me mad for taking a trip to New Orleans. I suppose I could have just hung up the phone and forgot about Benoit and the things we saw, but that's just not me. He needed my help. We had been there through hell in Vietnam, and I didn't mean that uh, figuratively. Nope. I mean, I felt actual we had, fucking hell. We had literally descended into some kind of hell in that tunnel. I wasn't about to leave the guy to deal with some shit alone. I felt uh, good to. It felt good to get out of New York. The journey was long, and the summer was sweltering. I drove relentlessly, waiting to get to. Wanting to get to to New Orleans as quickly as possible. I avoided the big cities and only stopped to sleep. On the last night of the journey, I stopped at a cheap motel near a one-horse town about an hour past uh, Birmingham. The reception building was was small. The desk was manned by a middle-aged man. I guessed he was the owner of the... uh, On the account of... There being a photo of him in a uniform as a younger man on the wall, I looked like it. It looked like it was taken somewhere in Europe during the Second World War. You look a little worse for wear. Long journey. He asked, "Where are you headed to?" The owner made small talk as he handed me my key. Houston. I lied as I fumbled with my things. I'm surely. I'm not. Uh, I'm not fully sure why I lied. It's not like whoever these people with the statues were, they could manage to to staff every shithole hotel between New York and the New Orleans with staff. Yeah. On an off chance I'd pass through. I was exa- so exhausted that night, I fell asleep fully clothed as soon as my head hit the pillow. I awoke in a sweat to the whispers of a woman. It was still night out. I took my pistol from my bag and tucked it into my back of my jeans. I left the room and followed the voice, the same phrase over and over. Defi- I'm, I said defiler. I meant defiler. That's okay. Uh, <laughs> defiler, come to the red house. I walked... Uh, down the steps to the ground level. The voice became so loud as I approached the soda machine at the corner of the motel. A light on the top growled red, glowed red in the night. Defiler. Almost like it was inside my head. I'm not a fucking defiler. 
I mumbled back to no one. What was that, honey? You want to defile me? <laughs> well, that's going to cost you. Usually my customers don't put in that kind of eloquent language, she laughed. Uh, it was a whore. The well, a well-dressed one at that. Nice. A little too well-dressed and refined for this motel. She was leaning near the illuminated m- machine. Sorry, I was just talking to myself, I replied. The whispers had stopped. You looking for a date? She casually inquired. No, I'm looking the fuck. No. Oh. I'm, I find, Whatever. I'm fine, thanks. Just came to get a soda. Loser. I quickly responded. <laughs> you sure? It's a long way to New Orleans. You're, I could help you relax. You're acting like you're too good for hepatitis C is what you're doing. She said, licking her lips. Uh-huh. My mind froze with fear, but I kept my composure. I'm headed to Houston, I said calmly. Saving myself for my wife. <laughs> Funny, the owner said you were on your way to New Orleans. She uh, dryly retorted. Well, the owner's mistaken, I replied, matching her tone. That's what I told him when he said you were headed to Houston. It took some of my charm to persuade him, but he finally told me you had a map that showed a route to New Orleans when you checked in. I said nothing in response. Sadly, what he couldn't tell me was where you were headed once you got to New Orleans. Yeah, well, maybe your charm isn't as persuasive as you think, I responded. All the while, I was considering taking out my pistol and putting it to her head. She tilted her head forward a little. Her face glowed in a fiery red under the light of the soda machine. She bared her teeth and her eyes took on the same look of fanatic rage I had seen in the psychiatrist's eyes at the hospital. Oh, you have no idea how persuasive I can be. She spat with unrestrained rage. I reached for my pistol, but she slipped around the corner and ran into the back of the night. But into the black of the night. I hope you find whatever you're looking for, she said, laughing from somewhere deep in the darkness. Yeah, uh, no. Fuck you, lady. Running out after her into the little night would be a fool's errand. I ran in, in a panic to the motel reception building. Maybe she had divulged some tiny piece of information to the owner. I could be persuasive, persuasive too. Broken ribs usually jog people's memory. Maybe he wouldn't have any information, but either way, I was going to sternly educate him on the perils of spilling your guts to strange women who offer free blowjobs. The, mo- the small reception building was dimly lit. Whoa, 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 whoa. She didn't say anything about it being free at first. This guy's clearly stupid. I don't know. (sighs) Turning down free blowjobs. Yeah. Fucking, what a cigarette. Mm. (laughs) Uh, So, the small reception building was dimly lit. There was no one behind the desk. I rang the bell, bell, but got no response. Impatiently, impatiently, I walked behind the counter. I opened the back office door. As I opened the door, the metallic smell of fresh blood hit my nostrils. 
I covered my nose. The owner lay dead on his back. His mouth was duct taped shut. Two uh, glass shards were had been uh, rammed into his eye sockets. Two what? I'm sorry? Glass shards. Gross. Okay. Tough bastard. I didn't give him enough credit. He wasn't failing, falling for her hooker routine. She So she had to torture him for what well, little information he had, or maybe it was just to send me a message. I wasn't hanging around for the cops. Maybe this was a setup. Either way, I wasn't sticking around. Yeah. I wiped down the office door with my sleeve. My fingerprints being everywhere else in the building could be explained, but not on the back office door. I walked to my room with as with as much outward calm as I could muster. I packed my things and got into my car. I drove out into the night. With luck, I'd make it to New Orleans by morning. I knew one thing for certain. These people, whoever they were, uh, wanted that voice to keep whispering to me. Yeah. They wanted to know where it was leading me. That was the only reason I was still alive. As soon as they figured that it might be less trouble to torture me rather than just follow me, I'd end up like the owner of the motel. The pistol was digging digging into my back, so I took it from my jeans and opened the glove compartment to put it inside. As the glove compartment opened, a small clay statuette fell out. I didn't even... I didn't need to look at it. I already knew what it was. Mm. I put the pistol away and kept driving. uh, Safety in numbers, I thought, as I sped towards New Orleans. Benoit would have a plan. He always did. I barreled my way through the night. Bringing the engine on my old Impala wouldn't give up the ghost from the hard ride. Day was breaking as I crossed the uh, Cross Lake Pontchartrain. It glowed yellow with the rising sun, but in truth, it was a cesspool brown. And the closure I got to, and cl- closer I got to the city. Benoit was just had just told me to go to the French Quarter and call a phone number when I got there. The French Quarter wasn't quite the tourist mecca it is today, but it was still popular especially with service members on shore uh, shore leave looking for cheap thrills. Right. It was seedy as hell. But a city like that can be a blessing in disguise for men in my situation. Seedy cities are easy to disappear in if needed. There are usually some unscrupulous ex-service member willing to sell you some extra firepower. And who was I to judge an unscrupulous man? I had just fled a fucking murder scene. Right. Yeah. I parked my the car near a payphone and got out. I fumbled with some change and, uh, and, and dialed the number Benoit had given me. The phone rang for what I felt like a lifetime and someone picked up. It's me. I'm here. I said not giving... Any other details? Good to hear your voice. I thought something might have happened to you on the road. Came Benoit's relieved response. Yeah, well, something did happen 
to me on the road. I'll fill you in when I see you. I replied while looking around the street through the dirty glass. Benoit gave me an address a couple of blocks away. He didn't say anything else over the phone. I drove the car over to the address. It was on a quiet side street. When I arrived at the address, I thought I must have been mistaken. It was a small, weird store, not an apartment building. Marie's General Goods and Supplies. Ah, sister's place. Strangest go- uh, general goods store I had ever seen. Black drapes covered the windows, and there wasn't much sign of life. I pushed the door with apprehension. A small bell rang, and I was hit by the smell of burning herbs. I walked into the store, and it was filled with antiques and what I refer would refer to as voodoo shit. Uh. Although I never quite grasped the difference between hoodoo, voodoo, and all those other African religions. Right. And there are little differences between the two. Yeah. But I, I'm not the I don't know what yeah. they are. You made it. But no, I emerged from behind the counter with a look of relief on his face. He walked over and hugged me, beating his hand on my back so firmly it knocked the air out of me, uh, out of my lungs a little. Take it easy. You'll, uh, you'll break a rib, I said, laughing a little. Sorry. <coughs> just got, uh, just good to see you, he replied, releasing me. You hadn't uh, called in a few days. I thought you might uh, not, might not make it. I almost didn't. Something happened to me while I was on the road, I replied. I wanted to fill Benoit in on all the details of my trip, but I was more perplexed by the shop where uh, we were standing in. Marie's? Who owns this place? Your sister? I inquired, puzzled. It's my mother. Uh, it's my grandmother's. My sister is... Named after her. <coughs> she died just after we were uh, shipped out to Vietnam. My sister looked after the place while I was away. Almost as soon I was, as I was home, she moved to L.A. She has no notion to become a singer. She has a notion to become a singer. My grandmother left her some money, and I got the creepy shop. Benoit said while... Well, sweeping his arm across the selection of weird merchandise in the shop. And the people buy this stuff? I pointed at an old, odd selection of herbs. Business is good. The shop is kind of discreet, so the tourists think they found some genuine secret voodoo shop. Don't worry, 95% of them of this stuff is completely harmless. Mm. Benoit said, smiling. And the other 5%, I skeptically skeptically inquired. Yeah, that stuff's not for tourists. I keep those items in the back storeroom. Yeah, we keep the good shit in the back. Yeah. yeah. Along with an item I got in the mail. Speaking of which, what happened to you on the road? Benoit walked over to the door and locked it. I filled, in, I filled Benoit in on the... Hospital in Japan, the statuette that the woman at the motel. Uh, I'm sorry. I filled Benoit in on the hospital in Japan, the statuette, and the woman at the motel. The only details I left out was that was the murder of the motel owner and the whispers. 
I didn't want to freak him out or involve him in a murder I might get accused of. But I listened, looking concerned. I got this. I got the statuette in the mail. It was sent to my old address, so I don't know how long it was there for. There, probably since I got back from Vietnam. There's no way to know for sure. I only. It, I had no postmark. Once I got it, I called you straight away. I got worried with the statuettes. So I checked all the books uh, here in the shop to see if any of them had any details on the statue or the woman in it. But I turned up nothing. But no, I continued. I was stumped. So I called the University of Baton Rouge. They pointed me in the direction of a retired professor, some expert in ancient religions. So I paid him a visit. He lives about an hour from here in the middle of nowhere. Nice house, but the land is uh, practically a swamp. He did recognize the statue, I asked. Oh, I'm sorry. Did he recognize the statue, I asked, on uh, Tenor Hooks? Kinda. He said it was. He said it wasn't really African or American. The statue is a crude modern replica. But the woman depicted was probably Silent Mother. Some ancient god people worship in coastal communities the world over. But her religion probably died away at least a millennia ago. Apparently she can grant her followers eternal bliss if they worship her at her temple. temple. Trouble is no one knows where her temple is. According to the professor, it probably doesn't exist. He told me to give him a couple of days to do some research. Those people in the tunnel sure didn't look like they found eternal bliss. Then again, it didn't look like a temple either. Just a small shrine. Yeah. I mused. And did he get back to you? And that was a couple of days ago. I rang him all morning, but he hasn't answered the phone. But no, it responded. Ah, shit. We gotta drive over there now and bring a weapon. I said, putting on my jacket. Should we just give him another day? Benoit said, perplexed. He may not have another day, Benoit. I said as we walked down out the door. Benoit... Uh, locked it, Benoit locked it between, uh, behind him, setting the sign to closed. We drove out of the city to the west in Benoit's car. It was sweltering. In the You're t- in fucking Louisiana, dude. Yeah. Uh, hold on. Shit. Uh, okay. In the in the tunnel in Vietnam, I thought you said. You had seen something like that before, I probed Benoit. Well, I was embellishing a little. Look, when I was 14, a local uh, counselor was accused of some pretty serious stuff. Several local women uh, had some serious allegations about the guy. But he was white and powerful and so was able to buy his way out of trouble. Right. 
but the locals weren't satisfied with the outcome. One night, my grandmother drove me out to the middle of nowhere to a sort of ceremony. My memory of the event is kind of hazy. There were lots of people chanting, and there was a voodoo priest. They forced the counselor to drink this weird liquid. The counselor's eyes shook on a kind of dead-eyed look, like the lights were on, but nobody was home. After the counselor responded to the shaman's every command, walk, smile, jump, he was like a puppet. Then he just released him and off the he wandered into the night. The cops eventually found him and brought him home. According to the newspaper reports, he seemed fine. If a little confused, he certainly didn't talk about the ceremony. A couple of days later, according to the same reports, he got a phone call to, at home. After the call, his wife saw him calmly walk into the kitchen, pick up a knife, and stab him himself in the throat. Jesus. Fun story, Benoit. Why, way to lighten the mood, I said with the mental image in my head. So yeah, I didn't see exactly what he saw and we saw in the tunnel before, but I have seen some weird, weirdly uh, simil similar shit. But I said as he pressed down harder on the accelerator with we both sat in silence as he drove. After about an hour of driving, we turned off the small road onto an even smaller dirt track. Reeds grew high on the side of the road. The guy really did live in a swamp. Only a mile or so now, but only informed me as we bounced uncomfortably down the dirt road. As soon as he spoke, we saw a small column of smoke rising in the distance. Tell me that's not the house, I said, uh, half-hoping. His house is the only one on this road, Benoit replied with fear in his voice as we approached. The dirt track turned to gravel as we approached Plantation House. Well, I say small. It was as small as the Plantation house Houses go, but still imposing. It was also very much ablaze. Thick plumes of smoke. Jesus Christ. Black smoke were bellowing from the house, but the fire had not fully engulfed. The fire had clearly been started recently. The car came to a halt on the grass lawn. We both hopped out. Benoit ran to the front of the porch. There was a barrel of rainwater near a gutter pipe. He dunked his head into the into drench into it, drenching himself. He pulled his soaked t-shirt up over his mouth and nose. Are you fucking kidding me? We're not going in there, <laughs> I roared. I'm not leaving this guy to burn to death. I got him into this mess, Benoit replied, his voice muffled by his t-shirt. The heat was incredible. Smoke was filling the house. Luckily, those old houses had pretty high ceilings. The smoke sat like an ominous... Uh, ominous black uh, blanket over the, our heads. Soon as I could fill the house, uh, 
black heads. Soon it would fill the house and our lungs if we weren't careful. Benoit led the way. His studies in the back. That's where, where he works. Benoit shouted in, in through his T-shirt. We made our way quickly to the study. Benoit felt the door to check if it was hot. It's warm. Keep to the side. Benoit said as he quickly kicked the door and then ducked into the left of the door frame. Luckily, it was no backdraft. The room was ablaze, but it hadn't burned up at all. The oxygen flames engulfed the ceiling and licked the walls. Then we stopped him. Then we spotted him. The professor lay dead in his chair, head slumped to his large wooden desk, a pool of blood pouring from his throat, and two shards of glass protruding from his eye sockets. Oh, Jesus Christ, here we go again. Flames licked the walls, and the quilt of smoke rolled in thick black waves above our heads. Benoit and I stood over the body of the professor. We couldn't see each other's faces, but terror clearly showed in Benoit's eyes. Check the drawers. I'll check the pockets, Benoit ordered. What about Prince? I said in panic. Are you fucking kidding? In five minutes, there won't be even a body, let alone Prince, Benoit screamed. Realizing my stupidity, I began to rifle through the desk drawers as Benoit took the inevitable task of checking the dead guy's pockets. The entire building was a sea of sound as we worked. The fire roared and the building groaned under its own weight. Rubbings, I said as I... Uh, produced several thin sheets of paper from the desk drawer. I could barely make out the words with the smoke, but I saw the word Silent Mother. For those of you young enough not to remember, this was how people used to copy shit before everyone had uh, copy machines in their house. Hell, maybe even some of you are even young enough to barely know what a copy machine is. Yeah. No. Benoit's eyes lit up as the sight of the papers. We need to get out of here. But I didn't answer. The house gave me an unmerciful groan like a death rattle. It was going to, uh, and it was talking now, and neither of us needed to be told twice. We both sprinted for the front of the, ha- for the front door as Roof beams began to collapse. We sprinted straight to the car. I took one glance back at the house, and it was almost engulfed. The roof sagged and collapsed in on itself as I hopped into the car, but no it was already behind the wheel. The engine roared to life. We left a spray of mud and we left a the engine roared to life. We left a spray of mud and gravel as. We tore off the lawn and down the driveway. The car bounced along the dirt track as we made it to the main road in double time. The house, a raging inferno behind us. The rubbings, Benoit inquired. I pulled them from my pocket and examined them, scanning for anything that might be relevant. I could barely read the copied writing. 
my eyes stinging with smoke, but several blocks of text had been underlined with a red pen. I turned the paper over. On the back were some handwritten notes. I read one note aloud. P.S. Mr. Benoit, it's worth pointing out that your statue did appear to be hollow. Did your, you consider breaking it open? Perhaps you hadn't noticed it, noticed as you seemed afraid to touch it. I assure you it's perfectly safe okay. from a historical point of view as it's a cheap uh, modern replica. As you, as to your question about the Red House, please see my other notes. The Red House? I questioned Benoit as he drove. Look, I didn't want to freak you out about, but I have been hearing voices telling me to go to the Red House, Benoit explained. I already knew he'd been hearing voices, Benoit. <clears throat> I already knew You'd been hearing voices, Benoit. That creep of a psychiatrist told me at the at Camp Zama. Um, I just didn't know you were hearing the exact same voices. Voices, me. No more secrets from here out on out. I said angrily. All right, no secrets from here on out. Benoit agreed. Oh, that nice motel owner I told you about. He was. Uh, actually murdered in the same fashion as our professor friend back there. I said, waiting for the backlash. Are you fucking kidding me? You're bitching to me about secrets and you had a murder hidden under your hat? Benoit spat back at me in, with anger. All right, all right. We're both agreed. No more secrets. I said, while effing reading the notes through the burnt, uh, my burnt smoke eyes. We sat the rest of the journey in silence. <clears throat> we arrived at the shop looking like shit. Benoit unlocked the door and we shuffled inside. Benoit made for the back room and I followed. The back room was large enough. It also had a restroom. I took the rubbings out of my pocket and put them aside on the desk for safety. We took turns splashing cold water into our burning red eyes, letting out sounds of relief as we did. After a few minutes, I slumped down at a pillar exhausted. Benoit tried his hands, dried his hands and face, then threw a towel at me as he sat down at the desk to examine the papers. Benoit began to read aloud the underlined segments. The followers of the silent mother believed that she could offer their internal bliss if they found her temple and released the silent plague. The chosen few who followed her would then control the, this world in her name. The unbeliever, unbelievers would be empty husks, ready to be commanded, their souls captured for tor torment by the silent mother. Shit, that sounds too familiar, I said. Benoit nodded thoughtfully as he skipped another page the silent mother's temple is claimed the silent mother's temple it is claimed could only be found by locating three golden shrines to the silent mother oh my God. dotted around the globe these shrines themselves were claimed to be hold 
some uh, weaker power or um, over mortals and could enslave believers foolish enough to touch them, which the Silent Mother would entice them to do. Those who resisted the urge to touch the shrine would be rewarded with part of the location of their temple. It was. It must be noted that. It must be noted at this point that the shrines and the temple are believed by all reliable scholarly sources to be uh, purely mythological. The only dissenting voice on the fact was a talented medical student named Arthur Blake, who traveled extensively in northern Europe and Africa studying the folklore in those regions during the mid-1930s. He claimed in a paper for a historical journal that he had found two of the shrines and learned that the temple lay near a city by the sea fought, by, uh, fought over by all the great powers. He strongly believed that the city was New Orleans. He refused to give any description why the city rather than many other cities could match the given description. Suffice to say, the paper was roundly ridiculed for its vagueness, with some pointing out that no civilization spanned the diverse geographical areas he claimed to have found the shrines. Nor did they account for the fact that the stories of the Silent Mother temple go back more than a thousand years and no great powers fought over New Orleans until the 18th century. The student quickly retracted his paper stating that while traveling to for scholastic reasons he had partaken in local rituals that involved psychedelics. <clears throat> Are you thinking what I'm thinking? Benoit inquired. Uh his hands shaking. Yeah, fate's bitch. You've been living somewhere near a haunted temple your entire life, I replied. No, you idiot. That creepy fucking psychiatrist in Camp Zema, Benoit said, pointing at the papers. Oh, shit. No wonder he's got such a hard-on for us. He's been searching for the third shrine most of his life, and we blew the shit out of it. Benoit began to read another one of the professor's handwritten notes. Although I was skeptical, I rang the Louisiana Historical Society, and there is a building that once referred to was that was once referred to as the Red House. It was a f infamous brothel between built in the bayou with when New Orleans was first settled. The building had been abandoned since the 1920s but has been demolished as it is has not been demolished as it is protected uh protected historical structure he has uh, an address he has an address written here benoit said looking over at me the detail wasn't copied from a book so maybe your our psychiatrist and his lady friend don't know the location yet unless they manage to torture the information out of the professor I suggested why 
kill the professor and burn the house unless they already had the information they needed. Otherwise, they still needed to f us to find the temple, Benoit replied. Maybe he lied to get them, or they just got sloppy. Hell, maybe he interrupted them when they ar when we arrived. Maybe we interrupted them when we arrived, I argued. We have to assume they either already know where the temple is, or are going to follow us if we go looking for it, Benoit concern. said concern. As we both pondered the subject, I spotted the statuette on a shelf. I picked it up with the towel, wrapped it into a, a ball, and smacked it against the top of the desk. I heard it shatter into pieces. This startled Benoit a little. Jesus, you could have warned me first. Benoit scolded me as I opened the towel, pouring the broken contents on the desk. The broken contents emerged along with a small handwritten note. If you find the temple, destroy it. Don't let the followers of Silent Mother release the plague. You've already destroyed one of her shrines. Finish the work and release the souls she torments. I guess more, of the, more than one group has been following us, I said confused. Alright, fuck this shit. We go to the temple and fuck it up. But... I'm not going to that temple without some serious firepower, Benoit said with resolve in his voice. Do you know a guy? I inquired. Oh, yeah, I know a guy. Benoit replied, pushing aside his storage closet to reveal a small door. Uh, yeah, and that is all I have, because I don't know if what? this continues. It doesn't continue. <sighs> Blue balled hard. Yeah. That's why you pre read shit, son. Listen, it got to that point. I was like, oh, you. I, I'm just disappointed because it doesn't continue. Like I said, that's why you pre read this shit. Oh, you son of a bitch. Hey, I blue balled myself, so. God damn it. That's well, pretty I guess fucked. that's all we got then. But that's pretty fucked up, though. Sorry for uh, the whole story. I hope you guys like it. You know. I don't know if you guys... What do you feel? Fake or real? Ah, uh, I don't know. Like, the first half of it, I was like, yeah, maybe. And then, like, the fucking road trip and all the murders, I'm like, I don't believe this half of it, I don't think. Um, but the the first part with, like, the tunnels and shit and that weird thing and then the weird shit in the, the hospital, yeah, I believe that. The rest of it, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know either. It gets a little too fucking... You know, like, season finale of Supernatural for me. You know what I mean? Because now we got to go find these fucking, these temples, and we're going to, it's going to turn into Indiana Jones, where we have to go across the world to find these temples. You know? Uh, uh, I don't know. I don't know. It's one of those hard-telling, not-knowing situations. Yeah. But, hey, let us know what you guys think about yeah. it. Let us know. Tell us, you know, Facebook or whatever. Which you can go over to. Yeah, Facebook. You know. And uh, we're at Dark Windows Podcast. Uh, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Dark Windows Pod, Dark Windows Podcast. You can find us all over the place there. You can go to Studio, grab a pair of headphones, earbuds, or a speaker. Throw them in your cart uh, at checkout. Put in Dark Windows 15. Get 15% off the entire order. And you can go over to Patreon.com forward slash Dark Windows Podcast. 
and hear all of our bonus material that we're got over there and we actually getting ready to do another one right now um usually release every sunday so hop on in and uh give us your money yeah so with that being said just because you can't see out into the dark doesn't mean that the dark can't see into you goodbye Thank you.